Welcome to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and I'm here to help you transition through your divorce with ease and integrity, to not only survive the challenges of your divorce, but to thrive as you come out the other side of it with a much better life than you ever hoped possible. On this show, we talk about many different aspects of divorce, interview women who have their own incredible divorce stories, or those who can offer some great advice as you go through yours. The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey. All right, today I'm very, very excited to be talking to Angela Henderson, who is an award-winning business coach, an author, entrepreneur, podcaster, mum of two, mental health advocate and professional in this space, a manifesting mother fluffer, and a recent divorcee with a super relatable story. Um, Just just for context, uh, and is Canadian. She swears quite a lot. So if you have a little ears near you as you're listening to this episode, you might want to find some headphones before we get into it. <laughs> Welcome, Anne. Hey, hey. It was so good to be here. And I do love the caveat on that because there are things that fly out of my mouth at times that don't necessarily mean to, but they do drop. So yes, and I appreciate I'm quite that. okay with it. That's all good with me. Love it. Look, you're, you're so accomplished. It's really hard to know where to start in this conversation. Obviously, we're on the Do Divorce Right podcast. So we're going to be talking about your marriage, your separation, your divorce, um, and the fact that you've gone on to find love again. But was there anything in my introduction of you that I might have missed because you have just done so much? Gosh, no. I mean, I think you pretty much summed it up. I mean, things that people don't know is I love Nutella. I eat that shit straight from the jar. (laughs) I love the color pink, but I love pink. Add a splash of glitter to that. And yes, I'm a proud Canadian. And I said, what's not to, you know, be proud when we've got Pamela Anderson, beer, moose and beavers. I mean, life is pretty good. (laughs) And life's pretty good. You're now in Australia, right? You're in Queensland. Yes, I've been in Australia. Yeah, going on 17 years next year. So I've been here for a while now. So yes. Incredible. Does that have anything to do with your marriage then? Is he Australian? Yeah, so my ex, he's from Tasmania. So yes. And so that was originally, I did, initially did my master's degree back here in 2020, no, 2002. And then I went back to North Carolina where my ex came back to North Carolina with me. So even though I'm from Canada, I did my undergrad in high school in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So then I went back to the US, did my clinical prac, and then we came back to Australia. So yes. Amazing. And were you, did you practice here in Australia when you came back? What were you, what was your education? Mm. So I've got an undergrad in psychology and sociology and a master's in social work, but the way it works in Australia, even though my master's degree is from Australia, they screwed international people. That's a whole nother story for another day because I don't Mm. actually think we're ever coming back, but then we do come back. And so I had to get lawyers involved. It was a big mess with one of the universities, but that's a whole nother story for another day. So I am able to still do work in Australia, but I can't do what I was doing in America. So in America, I would do clinical diagnostic assessments on adults and children. And I would diagnose people ranging from depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, autism, etc. based on my credentials. However, in order to do that in Australia, the rules are very different. So I still worked in mental health with the um, clinical teams and the non-government teams as like the uh, kind of person in between. I work closely with our mental health units. I also work with high secure, medium secure clients, uh, etc. So I was able to continue to use my clinical skills, but I wasn't able to diagnose people in Australia. And how did then did you get into business coaching? 
Yeah, I mean, it just, I had a, my son was nine months old at the time and we were just playing with toys on the ground. And I remember looking at all these toys and they were great toys, but they were all battery operated that had been given to us from friends and family. And I'm all about battery operated. I mean, my kids use iPads too, but I just looked down. I was like, there's got to be another way for fine motor skill development, uh, you know, gross motor skill, fine motor skill, color recognition, and a way for parents to connect too. So I went looking for other toys that allowed for these, do you know what I mean, properties, I guess, to take place. And that's when I started Finley and Me. So we started a um, one of Australia's leading toy stores at the end. We had over 1,400 different products. And ultimately, it was about creating childhood memories through play, love, and travel. So yes. And now that store wrapped up after about seven years. And then I now specifically work with women in business around the world, helping them to make more money. To grow their businesses. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more then about your marriage journey. Mm-hmm. Um, how you you met your husband well mm-hmm. you met him you moved to australia together um the little bit that i know about this story is that you took a very positive choice you you made mm-hmm. the decision that this wasn't working for you but perhaps mm-hmm. if we back up a little bit you can tell us well how did you get together what was the marriage like and then getting to that point of making a different choice for yourself so yeah so um when i was doing my undergrad in albuquerque new mexico at the time during our, our summer, so June, July, and August, an, Australia, an American-based company would bring the Americans over to Australia, Fiji, New Zealand, etc. And so I actually did that trip right out of high school. And then I went on for a few years after that to live in Fiji and Australia during those June, July, August months, which is great. And my ex-husband um, also worked for the same company. So we actually met back in 1999, I think it was, when we were really, really young. And then we did see each other. And then when I went back to America after that summer, he happened to be in Ohio and I just happened to be in Ohio one time. I didn't see each other again, came over and did my master's degree. And I remember just uh, sending him a text message. and was like, hey, where are you? And he's like, I'm at the Gold Coast. I was like, sweet. I now am in Brisbane for the next 18 months. Do you want to hang out? And then we met at the Hard Rock Cafe at the Gold Coast. And then we had been together ever since. So really from 2000 and we know known each other since 1999, but we didn't start dating till 2002. And you went on to get married and have two gorgeous children. Mm-hmm, that's yeah. correct. So, yes. Yeah, so two little delightful souls, Finley John, who is 13, and Chloe Glenella, who is nine. Um, but, yes, as, I mean, obviously we were young when we married. I think I was 24 at that stage, 24, yeah, 24, 23, actually, when we got married. So obviously, listen, you see things from a different lens, right? Sure. And you're, and you, and the lens that you're looking at is based on what's presented in front of you. And so I don't think there's a wrong way or a right way. But I think what happens is, um, as a woman, but then as a woman with kids, and then a woman with businesses that I was running, I think at some stage in our womanhood, whatever you want to call it, is that we start to lose ourselves. And then something happens. And in my instance, I lost my grandmother on Christmas Day, my brother on Mother's Day, a father type figure on New Year's Day, a friend from WA two weeks after that, and just recently another friend from high school. So in the last three years, I've lost five pretty significant people in my world. And so I remember about two and a half years ago and the marriage was kind of probably wobbly as it was even before then. But then you had a mixture of kind of looking at everything from like these, the lens of death and what was going on. And then you also had the COVID stuff that was just starting to kind of rear its head. And so then I was like, I remember asking myself this question. If I, if I was on my deathbed tomorrow, what would I regret? 
And I said, I would regret not getting a British bulldog, which I now have, who is grateful. And I would regret remaining married. And it was then I knew that things had to change. But then COVID started to ramp up. And you can look at every excuse in the book, but it was hard to leave at that particular stage because of all the restrictions that was going on. Trying to look at, I even thought of like looking at a rental property and you couldn't go out of your house and you couldn't do this. Everything felt really hard. And I'm really a believer that you can do hard things, but things should also be easy and as light as possible. Uh, We also don't have family around. So it's Dale and I. So I was also very mindful that we still needed to support each other through this, do you know what I mean? Whenever this was happening. But then COVID obviously came and I'm a firm believer that it is our responsibility to take responsibility of our own life. Nobody is coming to save us. And I also speak a lot of times with my clients and with my friends, whatever you are not changing, you are ultimately one choosing not to change. And so I remember waking up at Christmas day last year and I kind of already didn't want to go into 2022 with the marriage, but it was kind of like, yeah. And he just did one kind of final straw thing where I started to cry on Christmas Day. My son thought it was his fault. It had nothing to do with him. And I remember going into the bathroom and I was just like, I looked in the mirror and I said, Angela, this is it. We're not doing this. And I remember walking out on Christmas Day and I was like, you've got till March to go. And so is it necessarily, yay, would I have done it differently? Maybe, but I also believe things happen the way they're supposed to happen. So it was, yeah, Christmas Day last year that I was like, hey, you know, know, we are, we're done. And listen, I had talked about it a couple of times before, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, right? Like, ah, just whatever, or whatever, you know? And so I think because I had said it a couple of times throughout 20 years, I think he thought, oh, she's just, you know what I mean? Christmas, it's emotional she's not with her family and then January came and he was like and I was like you've got a few months left to find a place and then I think he the penny kind of dropped right so yeah so that was kind of it and I just I knew going into 2020 2022 I just didn't want that on my shoulders anymore and so I had to take responsibility because here I was living that pretty much 80% of my life, whatever you're not changing, you're choosing, but I wasn't living that in my marriage. And I thought, you know, if, um, if I died tomorrow, I'd, I would die regretting that also because I'm not role modeling to my kids uh, that, you know, things can change. People can expire. It doesn't mean you have to like them any less. It doesn't mean that you have to be mean, but it, it, we expired. And I, you know, my lens and how I see life and how I see the world is very different to 23-year-old Angela. Let me ask a couple of things there. First of all, you mentioned on Christmas Day, that's it, I'm done. Mm -hmm. and that you have until March to move out. Was there a discussion about, well, who would keep the home, who would move where, or... Were you there was no discussion. <laughs> I was pretty much, this is how it's going to be. Do you know what I mean? He, so He didn't fight you on that. He didn't want no. to and, disagree. No. And so I think what I, I, I need to caveat very clearly is, um, is that... I understand that there are women who might be listening who have had to go through domestic violence or their partners potentially have had an affair or they're leaving partners who are potentially alcoholic and or, and, or do you know I mean, addicted to, say, cannabis or cocaine or whatever. Gambling, anything. 100%. Yeah. And so I'm very aware that in many ways when I tell my story, this can trigger people because 
what we're probably going to talk about is, you know, I mean, how my husband lives, my ex lives 20 seconds from my front door and, you know, I mean, things like that. We are very, he's coming over for Christmas day. We're very amicable, right? Um, Doesn't mean that we don't get heated about a few things still, but I believe we get along better now than we ever have before. And I see the kids see that too, but I'm also not dealing with an affair where then I have to go through the grieving process of, the loss of the marriage, but the also loss of like of the relationship in a very different way and another different lens. I'm I'm not someone who is having to worry about if I'm going to get hit or beaten or I mean all those things, right? So I when I share my story, I I know it's hard because you know um, to the outside people, it's been a very simple transition for literally the most part, you know, of this separation. Well, that's super respectful of you. However, I still think you've got an opportunity for your own space to grieve. It's not mm-hmm. that you didn't, right? Your marriage was how long? 23 years it, long? 20 years, yep. 20 years long. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would have had to process the, the breakdown of that marriage. So your mm-hmm. your grief, while it'd be very, very different to everybody else's circumstances, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. think it's very respectful of you and very sweet of you to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. there's still space for Anne to have not mm. gotten what 23 oh, 100%, year old and wanted. 100%. But I also think because the marriage was on the rocks for so long that the grieving process started years ago. So for it's so many women it does. And uh-huh. that's almost the healthiest way, isn't it? While you're in the marriage, you're separating yourself from those expectations. You're able to do a lot of that grieving. And yeah. So tell me, what did that look like for you? What do you remember about having to let go or forgive or grieve? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it was about just boundaries and being able to put my own oxygen mask on first versus, you know, like wondering about this. I also think for a lot of the marriage, I overcompensate or when I overcompensate, I would say I compensated for the relationship between him and the kids too, right? Like if he didn't want to go do something because he wanted to sit on the couch on a Saturday, I'd be like, okay, let's go and do it. Right. So for me is I probably had to grieve more the loss of my own identity and grieve um, the anger that was associated with like, oh my goodness, how did I let this go on for so long? Right. Like, because when you get a taste of the other side, you're like, oh my gosh, fuck me, right? Yeah. Like, there, I almost think there's a loss and a grief of all those years that could have been different. However, I work with healers and hypnotherapists and a whole bunch of people. And I believe that, again, that this is exactly the path that had to go is I can sit here and say, what if, could have, should have, would have, but it doesn't matter, no. you know, because this is how it was supposed to be. I believe, I say often to my clients, you're right on time. This marriage was right on time. My two kids were right on time. Getting the five deaths in my family, right on time. COVID, right on time. And so again, it's about how we look at these things versus being a hindrance versus opportunity. So even though you can do hard things and even though the grief was there, the reality of it is, is there's so much more in life and there's so many opportunities if you choose to look at it from a lens of opportunity it can take time to get there so for anyone listening who's thinking this is a shit show i don't know how i'm going to survive this there's there's mm-hmm. no gift or opportunity in this mm-hmm. it can take a while and i'm mm-hmm. sure that gift that opportunity will reveal itself mm-hmm. it's just not but, always possible but to i see think it when you're in it but i think the opportunities i think people sometimes look at things 
the opportunities have to be big, like finding someone new, right? Yeah. Or whatever. But to me, is there's opportunities in every single day. There's opportunities that you get to wake up and feel a different energy in your bed because you're not walking yeah. on eggshells. There's an energy that you don't have to now... Um, Compromise what you're having for meals. Exactly right. You, you know? don't have to worry. Like you don't have to walk out to the kitchen and I'm one of my pet peeves is I'm like, just put the, the stuff in the recycling, but he would always leave it on the counter, right? And it's like, you know, like when you would walk out in the morning, you'd already be triggered, right? And so to me, the opportunities, regardless of where you're at, can be some of the smallest of things versus these grandiose okay. things that I think we see in the movies and things that are actually not, they can come, but it's with time, you know, going for a walk. And, and just looking at your surroundings and being in the fresh air and moving your body again. Like I had it, I, because I was in such a low, I had stopped really even caring about what I look like. Cause I was just like, Oh, all right. Well, you know, whatever. Whereas now I've lost, you know, just about 25 pounds in the last year because you find a different energy. So I just say is be mindful of what opportunity looks like and define opportunity for you versus yeah. just like these big opportunities because they'll come, but they'll come they in their will. own That's time. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. I love that. Oh my gosh. I'm just going to, I'm going to wrap that up somehow. We're going to, we're going to put that out into the social sphere a bit more about finding those smaller opportunities. I talk to my clients about creating new traditions mm -hmm. because, you know, you're, you're now, you have a different family unit now. So mm -hmm. you get to decide what those traditions look like. And there's so much kind of fun and lovely brainstorming that we get to do around that space. But even I love this idea of finding daily opportunities, not just the big stuff. Um, let me go no, back I'll also to, talk to there about I'm oh, sorry, I was just going to say in regards to traditions yeah. is I would say, though, too, is don't look for new, but don't be afraid to hang on to old. So, for example, is um, Dale, I mean, he lives 20 seconds from our front door, which is I can touch upon that in a minute. But I mean, he's coming over to do Christmas just like we always have. In fact, he might even spend the night that night. Right. So that he's here for, quote unquote, um, Santa in the morning. So yeah. and then he's coming for Christmas lunch where I'll make his favorite things like we used to. We'll do the Christmas crackers. All of that is still going to be the same. Um, and so don't be afraid to also know that some that you can keep some traditions also. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Dale's 20 seconds away. <laughs> Tell oh. me the pros and cons of, of Well, first, how did that happen? Was it intentional? And how grown up to the two of you need to be to be able to tolerate somebody that you mm -hmm. don't want in your space still very much in your space? I mean, yeah, I mean, Dale still comes over to use the washing machine. I mean, I'll talk more about that in a minute, right? But that's a whole other story in a minute. But, um, but yeah, I mean, listen, as I wanted us, because we don't have family in Brisbane, I wanted us, I always had put out to the, the universe that I wanted us to be relatively close. Now, I kept asking Dale, like, hey, have you found your property yet? And he's like, nope, nope, nope. And I was like, in my head, this is typical Dale. He waits the last minute. I always have to come and save him, whatever. But I also knew that if this is going to happen, I needed to probably just like still, it was kind of like one last hoorah, just go and find the fucking property, fill up the application, get it going, and know that this is the last time you have to do this, right? So Dale... Uh, he hadn't found anything. I then met with my healer on a Friday and she said, again, whether or not you believe in spirituality or healing, whatever, but the healer said, 
just to let you know, the spirit guides are saying that the kids will be a bike ride away from you and your, you and your soon to be ex. That was on Friday. Sunday morning, I woke up and I just happened to pull up my phone and looked at realestate.com. I then searched our suburb and the townhouse that sits on the fence line from my house was available. And so I messaged Dale and I was he was at work that day. And so I messaged him and I was like, hey, there's a property on the other line. I said, what's the, like, what's the, like, have you looked at this? And he's like, no. And what he said was, is in fairness, what I make in an hour is what Dale makes in a week. All right. With my business. So it was, and I said, is this financial? And he said, yes. I said, I will pay the difference to make sure you and the kids have a nice place to live. I said, there's no questions asked. So I actually pay the difference in that rent every single week in order for that to, do you know what I mean, happen. Um, And so, yeah. And then I filled out the application. I did all of that. He got approved. Uh, I also gave him $10,000 on my one uh, GE credit card to, to kit out the entire place. He pays that back $50 a week because again, I genuinely was not here to fuck him over in any way. And I don't believe he's here to fuck me over in any way Though we could do mean get nitty gritty, but we don't. And so, yeah, we found him as property pros are that like, listen, the kids can forget their swimmers at my house and they can run over there and you're not having to drive up and down a freeway to get each other's things. Um, other pro- like again, I think it comforts the kids. To be honest, the kids get to still play in the cul-de-sac with their friends. I think the kids like knowing that they can look out the wind, like like kitty corner. Do you know what I mean? To where we're at. Um, I like the like he doesn't have a, a pool. The kids will come over and swim in my pool, right? So, listen, there's a lot of pros uh, there. The cons, I would say, uh, is that. We at times, like, for example, when I started dating Al again, it was like, oh, hey, do you know what I mean? You can't come over and had to kind of explain that, right? So they're having to reestablish some other boundaries. Um, the one thing he didn't get when we were fitting out his property was the washing machine and dryer. And so to date, he's still coming over every Saturday to do his laundry. That boundary is in place that next year he needs to have his own washing machine. Look what you got for Christmas. So yes, like, here you go. Um, But listen, like ultimately, you know, I know when my, it was a con for my partner. He was like, great. So you can, um, your husband can just know that you're fucking the new man next door. That's great. Do you know what I mean? So there was a little bit of having to also deal with that transition to be like, listen, it is what it is. And and my new partner having to be okay with that uh, because like, I can't control his feelings. You're either okay with it or not, but this is what works from Dale and I, my kids will always come first at this stage. So if you're not happy with it, leave. I and really don't. Partner for you. I was exactly. like, I'm like, I don't really care. Um, you know, like I would say I would be sad, but it's like at the end of the day, I can't be responsible for someone else's feelings. This is how it is. Uh, but yeah, I would also say the cons, though it's not a con really anymore, but it was like society doesn't cope well with when they hear this story a lot of times. Friends and family were like, well, why'd you even get divorced? Isn't it weird? That. Why would people not deal well with this? What do they Listen, not like about your situation? What I think is that in society collectively, people like to see things hard. Because and this is like this is through working with people from a mental health perspective. This is yeah. through doing healing. This is doing through hypnotherapy, a variety of things. Your subconscious brain makes up 97% of your overall decisions. And depending on environmental, what you're growing up with, et cetera, will influence how you react or don't react. 
And I think a lot of other people at times who have made those comments actually want out of their own marriage. So yeah. therefore their own coping mechanisms or their defense mechanisms come up and they can be quite passive aggressive. They can be like quite hurtful, um, et cetera. And so I've just had to detach from other people's comments and other people's projections as to how divorce or separation should be because there's not a lot. Well, I don't know anyone who's been in a similar situation to me, right? Like I really don't. I've got a couple and there's a, there's a great episode with Sam. I'll, I'll send you the link. Yes, absolutely. That's great because, and so sometimes you then feel like, Oh, am I the odd, like, should we not, do you know what I mean, live so close together? Is this a That's problem? Ridiculous. So it's like you, yeah. it isn't, but you start, the chatter yeah. starts to come in because you're like, well, there's no one, there's minimal, again, you would say that you've got a couple of people, but you don't really know other people. So the people who I know who've gone through divorce, hate each other. I would don't say nine out of 10 people yeah. literally want to stab fucking each other. They hate each yeah. other. They're making the kids get put in the middle they're abusive to each other. They're screaming. They're fighting over money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Where and that's exactly why I do what I do to stop that from happening. I want there to be role models of positive divorce stories. I want this to be celebrated. I want it to be the norm. Given that so many marriages end, we don't need to think of that as a failure of a marriage. We can just think of it as a new stage of co-parenting or a new stage of that relationship. And yeah. you're doing a great job. Yeah, thanks. It can be done. It's so good. Yeah. And that's just what I think is I just like, you know, when you ask me to be on the podcast, I'm like, you know, yes, because I want to show society that there's a different way. But I also want to show women that are maybe sitting on the fence or not too sure about whether or not it's time for divorce or whatever. Is that like at the end of the day, I, because I work so much like with women is I'm like, stop fucking bitching about your life literally please stop fucking bitching it is a miracle that any of us wake up still breathing every single day <laughs> and so my thing is is just like people women because that's who i work with take responsibility nobody is coming to save you your mom's not coming to save you your dad isn't god isn't if you believe in god no man or woman whatever do you know what I mean whatever team you bat for whatever yeah. it doesn't it, it isn't and so if you're waking up every morning and things aren't you know, your bank account doesn't look a certain way or your relationship doesn't look a certain way, you know, change it because what ultimately will happen is it will lead to stress. It starts off as stress and then goes to burnout and then it goes to a full blown mental health diagnosis. So when I start hearing people going, I'm, I uh, say on a scale of one to 10, how burnt out you are. And they'll think of the traditional burnt out, like exhausted, whatever, which is part of it. Yeah. They'll say, I'm, an, I'm a nine, I'm a 10. I'm like, okay, well then really what that's saying is you're not in alignment. And they're like, you're either you're not, not in alignment yourself. Yeah. And you're not either, you're not aligned at home. You're not aligned with your career or business, or you're not aligned in the community. And it's the same three core care, three core pillars that I have to assess before I would diagnose someone with a mental health diagnosis. It has to be impacting all three areas of your life. So for me is when people, when I say I'm not aligned in this marriage every, anymore, or I'm burnt out. My first thing was, is why am I feeling burnt out? I'm like, it's a marriage. It feels hard. It feels heavy. I'm exhausted. Even like, you know, thinking about having to watch a movie with him. I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. Oh, let's go on separate holidays, whatever. So if you're burnt out right now, my question to you is where are you unaligned in your life, business or community? And I promise you that when you realign one part of your life, other parts will naturally start to realign from an energetic perspective. And it's no coincidence that when Dale left 
left in March that it was my highest revenue month in my business. It's no coincidence. And so what I say is, is again, energy, right? You would have been bringing such different energy to your business. 100% because you're shedding the old and making space for the new. So a lot of times we have to trust trust ourselves and understand that we can all do hard things, but it will be okay on the other end. That is scary. That is scary. Um, you mentioned earlier because you had no family, you wanted to main, main, remain relatively close. Would, mm-hmm. would you say that that was an intention that you set for yourselves or did you have any specific intentions through separation? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I had intentions around what the divorce would look like and I equally had intentions about the new person that I would meet. And all those intentions basically came true. So people will look at intentions and manifesting and those are part of the process, but you still have to take action, right? It's not going to happen. So when that opportunity was presented to me that there was a property on our fence line, I, do you know what I mean, had written it down in my journal. My healer told me that it was going to happen, right? And then it happened. But if I didn't put the application in, if I didn't pick up the phone and tell Dale that it was available, if I, like, and I do say I, because I was the one that did it, it wouldn't have happened. And so you do have to set intentions, but you do also have to take action. It's like- Yeah, let's talk about Al. Go on. So the same thing with Al is my- the same conversation that I had with my healer the same day around the kids and finding a property. She also said the spirits uh, want to ask you to start thinking about your future partner. And I thought, really? I said, he hasn't even left the house yet. Right. And they're like, no, they're saying that they need you to write down what you want, right? Like you need to start putting it out there now because they're saying it will start to be part of the healing process, but you also need time to start understanding what you want again. So I was like, all right. And so I wrote my list that I wanted. I wanted someone who has actually not been married. I wanted someone who didn't have kids. And there's a, you know, list of other things. Uh, And I got everything but the one thing on there, right? So it was like, but I put those intentions out there, but I still had to get on Tinder. I still had to get on Bumble. I still had to swipe left or swipe right. I still had to have conversations. I still had to make it happen. So yes, those intentions were set. The actions were taken. And these are the outcomes that are presented in in front of me. Beautiful. I love it. And one of the one of the ways I work with women is, is to think about the intention. So what is your intention here? Do you want to be in the same room with your partner in 10 years from now? Do you want to be able to celebrate Christmas with the children, you know, mm-hmm. and open the presents together because Santa came the night before? Because mm-hmm. if you don't set that intention, it's very easy to allow decisions to not allow that to happen, mm-hmm. right? to get in your own way of creating a really positive Mm-hmm. future a positive divorce i did set an intention that i wanted dale and al to get to get along and i did offer dale the opportunity to meet al before the kids did but dale chose not to okay. so that was his choice and i have to respect that choice um but again it was there again i can't be responsible for what he does and what he doesn't do but what i can be responsible for is say and lay my head on my pillow is the offer was there i've also made it clear to him that if when not if but when he starts dating someone else again I would like to meet them before, um, you know, they were to meet the kids. Um, So Dale and Al have yet to meet, which is interesting because like I said, we're literally 20 seconds from each other, but they've yet to meet. But Dale will still text me and say, hey, um, are you guys around today? Because I'm coming to do the laundry. I'll pop in between, right? So it's like, it is interesting, but that's why. Yes, 100%. 
Okay. Did you seek any support as you were going through your separation and divorce? No. Uh, in regards to like counseling or therapy or do you know what I mean? Like legal or teams legal or anything? Advice. Yeah. yeah no. I just, yeah. So we both knew that we didn't want lawyers involved and that we pretty right. much would like sell the house. Like we sold our one house. We still have our land in Tassie that we need to sell. Um, so we just split that down the middle. Um, we both decided that we would not touch each other's super. So he will keep his super. Yeah. I will keep my super. Um, and that was pretty much it. So, and whatever was in the banks, do you know what I mean? We just went 50 50. Um, he was also on my business as part of part shareholder. Uh, I asked him to relinquish that, that, that I thought could have gone differently because again, it's, it, it's in his interest. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, to have probably stayed on there, but he also knows that my business is my own brand. And so, you know, I, I, I lie. I did seek legal, not legal. I did seek advice from my accountant about that one question, actually, as I'm talking it through. So I met with my accountant and I just said, because my old accountant that I had previously had said that when I set up the company to include Dale as a part shareholder, I knew no differently at that particular stage. Because his advice was that no matter what, he probably still would get 50% of the company. But my new accountant was like, that's not necessarily true. Right. So he said, he's like, oh, he owns 50% of shares. And I was like, yes. And he's like, well, theoretically, you could ask him just nicely, like, hey, I, I need to remove you from the company. Da, 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 da. And then if he gave me writing and I said, and if he doesn't, my accountant said, if he doesn't, because you're your own brand, theoretically, you could close that part That's of the fair. business and reopen up a new one. If you had to, he said it would be a huge pain because of your my podcast and everything else. But um, it was the one time Dale didn't get back to me. There's two times Dale hasn't gotten back to me. One was this, as in he prolongs it was, hey, I needed you to respond to my email. Keep in mind, he would respond to emails all the time. I need you to respond to the email because new financial year is coming and I want you off of this before we enter the new financial year. And then I, mean, I had to chase it up a couple of, yeah, yeah. yeah, which in fairness is fairness. Like mm -hmm. what I also say, and I think we sometimes when we're in the heat of it are, et cetera, of the separation is, you know, I am where I am in my business because though Dale and, may, Dale and I may have expired, I still traveled around the world to the Maldives, America, Canada, speaking, mastermind, doing my thing. And he still took the role as a dad. Now, some people say, yeah, but he's the dad. I can tell you of my times around the world traveling for business, I was one of the very few women who was child age, do you know what I mean? The majority of them were white males. Uh, even I would get comments as, oh, did you get permission you from your husband? Children. Children? Oh, yes. God. And so, you know, I also had to kind of, go over that. So what I'm saying is though, is that Dale always allowed me to continue to grow my business and my personal interests. And I will always give credit where credit is due is that is one thing that he did well, um, or that he supported me on though emotionally, I don't feel like he supported me in other areas. But in that part, I, he never batted like I would go in a yacht in the Maldives, and it would be me another girl and the rest of the males. He never was like, oh my God, you're going to cheat on me. Oh my God. No, it was always, yep, go and have fun. We'll see you when you get back. So there's this mutual respect. And that's why I think we continue okay. to have the respect we have for each other. Um, so I'll give credit where credit is due for that one. Okay. And what was the second thing that he took some time coming back to you about? Yes, was um, so Meeting the first Al? property. Well, no, that one was kind of like, it was a hard no, no on that one. <laughs> um, but then we also have our land down in Tassie. 
But his land in Tassie is we bought it off his parents. So his parents have quite a big, large patch of land and they gave land to his brother. And we each had to pay 35K to get this land, but the land is now worth about 150K. But I think I kept saying like, listen, the house is sold. We really need to action this because prices are going down. They're not going up in the current market. And he's like, yep, I need a couple more time. I need a little bit more time. I'm like, well, you've had since December, mate. It's now August. Like we need to make a decision. And he finally came back and he just said, we'll sell it. Do what you need to do and sell it. And I went back to him and I said, listen, it's your family's land. I don't want the land. So if you, if you can buy me out or we can sell it, it doesn't worry me. So I think He's never said, but I would assume he was probably conflicted because it's his parent. If it would have been, been a neutral land, I don't think it would have mattered. So I had, I, I think I was fair in giving him about eight to 10 months to try and decide on that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now prices have gone down in the market. So it could be that we just sit with it anyways until prices go up. But, you know, it's where neither of us are in a huge rush. It's just more about like, give me an answer. And that's kind of like, you know, yeah. figure out what the next steps are. All right. Um, what is, I'm down, down to my last two questions for yep. you. What is the best advice and what is the worst advice that you've been given through the last year or even before, before you separated? Listen, I mean, I actually probably, this could sound cocky or bitchy, but listen, I don't think there was really any advice if I'm honest, because I was already made my decisions. Yeah. So I think I was almost like a closed book almost. Like if someone started talking about something, I'm like, oh, that decision's already made. Like I was really like, I don't want to hear it. Like I didn't fucking ask for the advice. So let me just close you now. (laughs) Right. Like, because it's kind of like when you're trying to name your child, yeah. You'll come up with a fucking name. And then like, I, I love the name um, Addison. And then I was told Addison's a fucking disease. So then I go and Google Addison and sure enough, Addison is the name of some disease. And I was like, well, now I hate the name. Oh, so I was like, yeah. I'm not going to say anything about anything. So it was kind of like, that was the approach I took is, oh, thanks, but no thanks. It's already decided. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I didn't really ask, but I also, because the grieving process had already gone on, I'd, already kind of made like no one even knew that it was happening other than my best friend not even my dad wow and so when i when the pin finally was pulled people kind of a couple of our friends kind of knew because they kind of knew that i've been thinking about it for a while and they're like oh shit really he's out in like a couple of weeks and i was like yeah so i think people knew but again i wasn't going to um open myself to other people's projections and other people's dramas on how they were going to receive or not receive the information. Okay. My final question then, because some people do seek advice, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to do divorce right? I would say you need to follow your own intuition, put your own oxygen mask on first and start to do what's right for you. Don't worry about anyone else. Worry about you because really the only person who's coming to save you is you. Beautiful. And thank you so much for your time. Tell, um, I'm going to obviously link everything in the show notes, but how can people find you? Yeah. I mean, if they're wanting to, if they have a business and they're wanting to work with someone as a role in the business consultant, they can find me over at AngelaHenderson.com.au and there they can listen to my podcast. They can look at what services I have. Uh, they can follow me over there on Instagram, but yes, uh, my website is AngelaHenderson.com.au. Amazing. Thanks. And I'm also going to put a link into the episode of You Manifesting Al because yeah, I perfect. thought it was a gorgeous episode. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Thanks for sharing so much and so candidly. We really appreciate it. Gosh, no worries at all. You have an awesome day, my friend.
Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.